0: Welcome to this week's episode of Multiplane Tales. I'll be your narrator and author, JC. This tale is called Uphold the Legacy. And dear listener, if you want to submit your tale, you can send it to multiplanetales at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Being an individual born into a family with a strict profession that said individual is not so great at is not easy. Being born in a family with two distinct but similar professions certainly did not make Zenith Jr.'s life a cakewalk. His father, Zenith, was the second generation chef for the Tumorok dynasty. Zenith Jr. was often told how his grandpa scoured the world to become a cook that could bring the end to wars. He was told how he would train under master chefs and innkeepers alike. No recipe was not interesting enough for him to make. He saw them as a challenge. If he could make a displacer beast burger good enough to attract the attention of a lord, what could be a greater honor and example of skill? After winning the Winter Food Festival, Pandem, grandfather of Zenis Jr., was approached by Queen Mother Gingeria Tombstone of the Tombrock Dynasty. She told him how the court chef was mysteriously killed and how they were in a dire need to fill that position permanently. She explained to him how the daily vetting process was taking a toll on the staff and she would love to offer him the job after an intensive background check and interview. Following a three-month process, Pandem was appointed to head chef of the court of Tombrock. He was proud of that position. Pandem had resources he had never been privy to. He used them to create exciting dishes that started to bring attention to their family. Pandem was not only a chef, but the colorful culinarian. He would only use utensils with intricate designs, laced with a multitude of glowing gemstones and precious metals and objects. Pandem would never cook without them. They became the symbol of his work for the remainder of his life until he passed them on to Zenith Sr., but he never used them. CJ, Zenith Jr.'s nickname, also would notice his father would go out of his way to use common utensils. He would say, I want to be remembered for my cooking only not theatrics like your grandfather. Although Zenis Sr. did not like his father's way of cooking, he upheld his legacy. He was a complete natural. Zenis Sr. could discern individual ingredients in any dish from a young age. After only watching a dish being made once or twice, he was able to replicate it as well as the technique used to create it. Instead of traveling like his father, Zenis Sr. would often request already known chefs of the court to learn from them. He mastered in a year what took Pandem decades to learn. Even with that major achievement, he would always show disdain whenever he was compared to Pandem. And that was something that Z.J. frequently heard him say to his mother, Vesperia. On the other side of the culinary world reigned Vesperia, a baker whose bread and pastries knew no bounds. Starting from a humble beginning, she started selling bread on the streets of Havenquest, the capital of the Tomb dynasty, to provide for her sick father and to support the family. Having only a small wheat field and a modest farm of dragons to their name, Vesperia saved up some coins, selling wheat and eggs to buy a couple of cows. She had the idea to start selling bread. She fashioned an improvised oven and started to bake. The pseudo dragon eggs gave the bread a distinct taste unlike any she'd tried before. Vesperia went through a copious number of iterations until she was satisfied. At first, it was hard to gain customers. There were so many street merchants that a young disheveled human girl didn't stand out. She had the idea of carting around her bread and offering it for free. The takers were impressed they wanted more she told them that her shop would be opening up that following week right outside the city by the end of that week she knew she already had a following all that was left was for them to buy it opening morning she woke up extra early and got everything ready she took her cart of bread outside of the city where she told the folks she would be there was already 15 people waiting for her she was in awe the shop wasn't supposed to open for another four hours she started baking the dough That batch had been resting for a few good days. The smell was strong even before she placed it in the oven. She could hear the stomach of the patrons growling. By the time she was ready, the line had grown to 50 people, all of them waiting in anticipation. She was sold out by the fourth customer who, after a taste sample, bought the remainders. The rest of the people were peeved, but she told them to come back the following day. This became a trend. Six months later, she was able to build a shop outside the city, buy her family a new home, and find a treatment for her father. She later got the idea to start creating pastries. That is when her business exploded. She eventually met Zenith Sr. who had come in for a taste and then they fell in love over their love of food. The rest is history. Zenith Jr. was born half a decade later and eventually his younger brother. Vesperia now is consistently traveling the world trying new fruits or ingredients to evolve her skill while opening locations in other cities. ZJ used to accompany her, but now his brother Zolo does. Having these two great masters as parents left ZJ indecisive about which path he wanted to follow. He didn't have the innate gift of cooking like his father or the creative mind of baking like his mother. Unknowingly to him, fate wouldn't give him a choice. Zenith Jr. started his day like he usually did. Wake up and decide what recipe he was going to attempt that day to impress his father, until he remembered that day would be different. That week, his mom and Zolo had ventured into the city of Brass and Hell on search for a newly discovered soul fruit. There was also a festival in the upcoming week, which means a plethora of cooks had to be recruited to help them prepare for the centralized royal banquet. ZJ loathed festival times. The vetting process often took a toll on his father, which in turn made him significantly more difficult to deal with. Granted, it was not his fault. Even after finding good-hearted cooks with no foul agenda, Zenith Sr. and Jr. were always watching their every move to confirm they weren't making any mistakes or just anything dumb. The Zenis would be held responsible for any mistakes involving food. The Tomb Rocks have been great to their family, but they did have a strict reputation. Being on their bad side could very quickly lead to less than desirable situations. After a couple of sleepless nights, the army of cooks had finally been chosen and vetted. Fourteen cooks were selected across the Fernyard Empire for the festival. Going through the list, ZJ noticed they hired one less cook than they usually do. He found Zenas Sr. to confront him about it. Father, I understand you want to increase your capabilities, but I do believe now is not the time for that. I believe we will need a fifteenth person. ZJ, what am I missing? asked his father. Let me check. You're missing the sous chef? What happened to Gavin? Oh, we are screwed. Calm down, son. Calm down. I didn't hire him because I want you to be my sous chef this time. ZJ stood there stunned. Really? It is time. His father clapped his shoulder. I feel like you are ready for that level of duty. Now make me proud. ZJ ran to the table and started working on the plans. Throughout the week, he contacted all the cooks, each with a set list of instructions. He worked tirelessly to keep his father's mind on creating the feast. His dad would only need to ask and ZJ would solve. They had never worked in such unison, and this was the most fun he'd ever had cooking. The day of the festival approached quickly. Zenith and Zenith Jr. had everything prepared. The goal was to have all the guests talking about the Zenith cooking style for the foreseeable future. On the night before the festival, Zenith and Zenith Jr. were going around inspecting all the supplies. They checked the meats, confirmed the spices, and cleansed the utensils. After establishing all was right, the two went to bed. The next morning, even before the call of the rooster, all the cooks were in the kitchen prepping. Zenith Jr. was circling the kitchen, checking each station, helping wherever he was needed. He would teach the cooks some tips, and they would return the favor. Interacting with all these cooks from across the Fernyard Empire made him ponder on what else about cooking does he not know about. He finally understood why his mom was always traveling. Traveling offered the opportunity to experience many things, both known and unknown, cooking-wise and not. At that moment, ZJ decided he would be a great chef, one that would follow in the footsteps of his grandfather. He would learn his cooking from the world, not just in a castle kitchen with every tool he could ever need. He imagined his father might not like that news, but he could tell him another day. Cooking went as smoothly as they practiced. The first course was finishing up just as the guests started settling down at the table. Zenith took ZJ and told him it was time to present their creations. Entering the dining room, ZJ counted about 30 royal-looking people sitting at the table. His father went to the front. Royalty of the Nearlands, I, Zenith, present you with a three-course feast worthy of your palates on this joyous day. Zenith gave a little bow. This first dish is steamed dark mantle salad topped with stir-fried micanid mushrooms with an optional, yet recommended, berry vinaigrette. Waiters came through the doors. They laid down small platters in front of the guests. I see we're going with an Underdark theme, said one of the guests as they lifted the lid. Oh wow, this is beautiful, said the guest. I didn't even know you could eat myconids, said another. The minute they started eating, the talking stopped. All at the table focused on the food. They dug in. No one spoke until their platter was spotless. Dark mantle has so much flavor, said a guest. The myconids went surprisingly well with the Fayberry. I could still taste them right now, said the matriarch of the tombstone. Thank you, said Zenith. The next dish is sure to please as well. It is hell-roasted owlbear in a creamy Kuwait white sauce served over veggie rice. I guess we're not going with an underdark theme, said a guest disappointedly. No, Zenith replied. I went with what I know is good this season. A few moments later, the waiters brought in carts with a bowl for everyone on the table. They passed him around until all thirty had a bowl in front of them. The lids were lifted to reveal a light purple rice with about four types of vegetables. In the corner of the bowl was a small container with a boiling creamy sauce. Mmm, you can smell the umami in the sauce, muttered a guest. I now present to you the main course, said Zenith Sr. A whole owlbear was rolled into the room. The staff brought it to Zenith Sr., he pulled out two chef's knives and went to town on the owl bear. He was so graceful in his movement that it looked effortless. Zenas Senior carved that meat like the pro he was. Every cut was perfect. What the guests didn't see was how the blades were scorching hot. As Zenas Senior told Zj the previous night, "It's the flash render the fat in the meat. It will keep the meat tender, but not mushy, but always juicy." He went around the room, dividing the meat, drown it in the sauce. No one spoke. They only ate. Zj kept a well supply of rice and sauce flowing as the table demanded more of the owl bear. His father kept cutting; they kept eating. Zj knew this was going to be a great night. He knew the owl bear was great, but he knew that was not even his favorite part. The dessert he helped his father create would steal the show. After they all had about three plates, Zenith stopped cutting. My firstborn, as well as my sous chef, Zenith Jr., will present the final entree. Zj stepped to the front of the room by his father. The dessert for this special day will be a flume custard topped with flambéed berries. Suddenly, the individual that was sitting at the end of the table opposite to the tomb rock started shaking. He grabbed his throat like he was having trouble breathing. Fuck, Xenis Sr. muttered as he slowly got closer to ZJ and handed him a key. If they come after me, I need you to run to your grandpa's knives, okay? What? replied ZJ. The guests that were around the suffocating individual grabbed him to try and help him. They found he was covered in hives and pus. The tomb rock looked over at the Zeniths. Queen Mother of the Tombstones spoke up. Zenith, how dare you do this to our guest? I am also confused, Zenith Sr. started to say. Guards, get him. He must pay, she said. Zenith Sr. leaned over towards his son. Run. ZJ burst towards the exit, very confused. He could have sworn he saw a smile on the face of the tomb rocks as he dashed by them. After the sun too, he was probably in on this assassination attempt. CJ could hear that he was starting to be chased. He rushed through the hallways, knocking down whatever he saw to hopefully slow down the guards. Using all his athletic abilities, CJ made it to his father's office in good time. He dashed over to where his grandpa's knives were always kept. He used the key to unlock the box. There it was, his grandpa's favorite knife, an adamantine carving knife with a platinum handle and red leather dragon grip. He was told never to touch it, but now he had no other choice. The guards were taking the door down. He grabbed the knife. The red leather glowed and laced itself past his hand onto his arm. He screamed. He tried taking it off but it was stuck. Then he felt it dig into his hand. ZJ yelled hysterically as he started feeling his blood being drained. The knife was glowing a darker shade of red the more it took. He was getting lightheaded. That's when the guards busted in the door. Not knowing what to do, he lunged for the closest guard. The guard panicked as the blade got closer to him. To both their surprise, the actual blade went through the guard. No, ZJ heard in his mind. The guard pushed him up against the window. His face was smashed and his vision darkened. He looked outside into the forest. He was reminded of his mom and brother who doesn't know what happened. He needed to get to them. The next thing he knew he was outside in the spot he was looking at. He could still feel himself quickly losing consciousness. It also sounded like thunder came from the place he was at in the castle. ZJ looked at the forest and took a step. The pain from the blade was really setting in. He focused on the forest again and could feel himself move. He did that a couple more times before finally blacking out. He woke up to the knife on the ground by his hand. ZJ sat up and laid his hand on his head. Not only was he lightheaded, but his stomach also started to growl. He had never felt so hungry before. He instinctively grabbed the knife and stumbled around aimlessly. His perception of time had been distorted, and now he just continued to go. ZJ just bumbled about until he heard a howl. He believed he was going in the opposite direction of it, but soon he found himself face to face with a direwolf. Though his vision was blurred, he took out the knife. His leg wobbled as he fought to hold the knife steady. He took a step back. He could feel its warm breath and the smell of red meat. Then his stomach grumbled again. Would that not make an exquisite set of braised ribs? said a voice in his head. I mean, it would, but I got a lot to worry about right now. He responded. It would, the voice exclaimed. The knife in his hand began to glow. He felt a surge of strength. ZJ's mind was clear. The wolf lunged at him, but he leaped back out of the way. His mind was now being filled with all this info about dire wolves. The most efficient way to skin them, the simplest recipes for productivity or presentation. The wolf swiped at ZJ, but now his body was moving on its own. He got past its spas, jumped toward its head, and delivered a quick slice. The body of the wolf lay at his feet. Zenith, son of Zenith, son of I, I find you worthy of carrying out our goal. Power will be granted to you. Together, our cooking shall stop wars, said the voice. Who the fuck are you? asked ZJ. Blood of my blood. I am Pandem, father of your father, father of flavor, thespian of taste, savior of spice, said Pandem. Grandpa? replied ZJ. You're dead. No, son. My soul is trapped in this abomination of a blade for using its power like the other ones before me. Trapped? Will my soul be trapped? Only if we don't achieve our goal, son. Now put some pep in your step. We got a ways to make it from here. Zenith could feel the knife in his hand start to yank him towards the sun. He tried to talk to the blade several times, but it was just silent. The pull of the knife was strong, though. After a day of walking, Zenith found himself on a harbor. Buy a ticket for the boat to the far right, and let's go. He did just that. Moments later, Zenith Jr. found himself on a boat with a crew of people he didn't know. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Multiplane Tales. If you want to share your story, you can send it to tales at gmail.com. If you enjoyed this tale, share it with your friends, family, and adventuring party. And if you can, please leave a review to help this reach the entirety of the planes of existence. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter for teasers and updates. Again, thanks for listening and return in a fortnight for the next episode. That's two weeks. Bye!